I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome back to Anti-Diet Bride with me, Tally Rye. This week, we are chatting all things wedding dresses. And I have managed to find the queen of wedding dress shopping, Emma Meek, aka Miss Bush Bridal. Now, I am yet to try on a dress. I haven't done any of this process. And I just figured this is such a great time to chat with you, to get all of the bridal dress knowledge um, that I can and prepare myself because I know that this is this can be such a fraught time for brides because the dress is one of the biggest parts of the the pressure that we feel so I'm really excited to be chatting with Emma remember if you want to connect with us on Instagram find us at at anti-diet and if you've got any questions for myself or for future guests text or voice note us on 075 27537 and hopefully we'll answer your question during one of our episodes Emma welcome to anti-diet bride thank you so much for virtually coming in <laughs> <laughs> thank you for having me thank you for inviting me well thank you for coming and happy new year and uh yes it's an exciting time 2023 is here another kind of wedding season i suppose is coming mm-hmm. how are you feeling about it all well i think we're feeling a little bit less um terrified than we were for the 2022 wedding season because obviously we've been through an extreme emotional journey with our um clients for the last few years with lots of postponements um and actually inevitably those postponements feed very much into that anxiety um and the pressure and all those kind of things so actually we we had people who were at certain times of their lives you know were like prioritized maybe having a family over their dress fit and so we've we've been through this like triple wedding season um with with almost two years worth of brides who've have have been through the emotional ringer as well so actually i'm looking towards this wedding season as just more of a normal wedding season hopefully perhaps we can just be a little bit <laughs> i don't know if saying a bit shallower but a little bit less like we're having to take someone through the trenches of postponement and major life changes and the horror that that brought to them because it was truly devastating for so many people so i'm hoping this year looks just normal <laughs> i hope so too i hope that you get that so i I suppose before we get really into the crux of this conversation, we'd love to hear more about yourself, how you got started in the bridal industry, the wedding industry, and how Miss Bush Bridal came to be. It's sort of accidental that I'm in this business. Uh, my mum, uh, her friend, uh, initially started Miss Bush in 1988. And then after a couple of years, really didn't love it. So my mum uh, bought the business from her. And then I, uh, classic sort of, after uni, went to live in London, worked in London for a while. And then uh, 
when I was pregnant with my daughter, who's now 28, I moved back to Surrey um, to be close to my parents for babysitting, obviously. And I, it was, I mean, it's a weird, 28 years ago is not that long, but it was a time before a mobile phone, before the internet. And actually I was very lonely and I was by myself in Ripley where the business still is. And I just used to push my baby down to the shop and just chat to the women there and sort of leave again. And I eventually, and the nursery opened in the village and I thought, well, I'll have a little mook job, um, do a few mornings a week in my mum's wedding dress shop. You know, 28 years later, uh, <laughs> the world is very different. I never went back to London for a proper job and I've sort of stayed put. And actually, I love uh, what we've been able to do with Miss Bush, which is to create a very beautiful destination uh, wedding dress shop space, but also create the kind of positive change that I would love to see in retail, you know, just throughout women's retail, basic women's fashion retail. So yeah, that's so uh, we operate from uh, an old Victorian chapel, which feels very quiet and private and actually feels sort of uh, non-religious, but it feels quite spiritual because it's very, very hushed. And, um, yeah, we just, we sell beautiful dresses clearly. And I'm obsessed with fashion, literally obsessed, like more interested in fashion almost than I am with weddings. Um, but, uh, but since we've moved to the chapel where we've been since 2014, I've really made some big changes to how we work, uh, where we get our dresses from, how we source them, how they're made, how we, the language we use in the chapel. So I feel it's like a really interesting evolution of how retail could be if I had a magic wand or a kind of billionaire um, backer, I would really love to see all women's fashion change the way that it can, you know, it can be really a positive and life affirming experience. <laughs> so, yes. Can you share more of what those changes are, and what those things you'd want to see? Because I know, for example, you don't have necessarily sizes per se in your shop. Well, you have to, you have to sample in sizes. So like when you come into a wedding dress shop, there is a rack of dresses to try on. So we sample from about a size six to eight to about a size 24. But those sizes have no bearing or relevance on, on to women that I see. There are very few women that I ever see that exactly measure a standard size something and I feel like standard sizing um, is one of the biggest things that hasn't really been tackled in any level of um, discourse about in, in feminist discourse or in terms of anybody positivity because okay we can keep scaling up dresses to and we can have really cool curve stuff which I mean I buy from ASOS and things like that but Actually, the, the technology exists to create uh, digital pattern cutting. The technology exists that we could actually completely throw out standard sizes, which um, I feel standard sizing is one of the great evils by which women judge themselves and, and always found wanting. Uh, that And also, um, we now tend to measure people in centimetres as well, because centimetres have far less cultural connotations. So, like, we... If somebody says, oh, my grandmother had an 18-inch waist or a 24-inch yeah, waist yeah, or something yeah. like that, and it's like, actually, you don't know what that is in centimetres just off the top of your head. So what we've really done is I've, I've basically only now work with um, designers um, and manufacturers of dresses that will offer a full range of made-to-measure with no lower size um, or no upper size because I think the conversation about body positivity is always quite focused on uh, maybe – curvier shapes but I also you know just before Christmas I saw someone who was like four foot ten um so yeah. again you you also need to be able to serve people um 
of different ethnicities the whose body yeah. shape is very different depending on what your ethnicity is as well so whether that's you know very small or, or curvy and I also dress athletes and sports people so you can have someone he's ripped gorgeous and literally looks like Wonder Woman but may measure on a size chart at 20 and and nobody wants to hear that size 20 it's it's it, 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 the minute you hear numbers that have got a cultural connotation, um, it just makes people feel terrible. So we do have to have sizes in in the sh- in in the chapel to try on because basically, if you're creating something, um, you the 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 infinite variation of women is such that you have to put a line in the sand somewhere and say, well, these are the sizes we'll have. Um, but I do, yeah. So that's really what we've done. So since we've been in the chapel, I've, I've stopped working with people that only will have an upper size limit because I think that is grossly unfair and a lower size limit. Um, and I would encourage everyone to really talk strongly about made to measure because it's the, it also would be the savior of the high street if somebody had the foresight to be able to, I mean, if, I mean, famously, I've got large boobs. I've talked about them a lot. So whatever I've done in my life, whatever my body shape has been, uh, my boobs have always been two or three sizes bigger than the rest of me. So you can go to Bravissimo and you can buy, you know, from a range of you know thousands of different sizes, back sizes and cup sizes. And yet we're still reduced to the same you know, four or six sizes that you can get dresses in. So I think, you know, that's what I've really, so I suppose if that would be my crusade, I mean, it doesn't sound very exciting and fashiony, But necessary. Yeah, but delivering beautiful fashion and beautiful positive experiences um, means taking some of those boundaries away, um, taking some of those barriers to happiness or to clothes fitting correctly. And I'm always sad when people come in and they're like fully like head to toe in spanks and, sort of really almost feels like self-harm underwear because I'm just like you like if I make if I do my job properly you don't need this because the growth in shapewear I think is also alongside the growth in sort of poor quality fast fashion where things aren't cut very well and don't fit very well so you have to spanks yourself into things that don't don't fit to kind of make it work one of the my kind of first question was is the the whole like what do you even do before you get to the shop? And, you know, do you have to wear certain underwear? Do you have to have shoes? You know, this is, these are all the things that I think brides like myself worry yeah, about. Yeah, and I think what you're doing, actually, although this is in a podcast format, I think what you're doing is really, really amazing to, because we all have phones at our work. Um, any shop will take a phone call and you can talk through your concerns with someone before you go there because otherwise we just like anybody else have a very glossy you know Instagram grid and and perhaps I'm a little bit different from other shops in the fact that I will go and talk about and tackle different subjects which perhaps aren't they're not as kind of like catnip for kind of Pinterest because I'm trying to give out some proper information to people. But it is because I've done this for like 28 years and I've seen people just arrive looking sick, traumatized, shaking, people's mums phone up in advance saying, my daughter's really worried because of X, Y, Z. So we've, I feel like the first thing you could do is actually look at some shops that you might want to go to or some designers that you might want to visit and actually pick up the phone because you get a much easier sense of someone. I mean, we're all marketing ourselves online and we all, to a certain extent, need to make it look glossy and slick. So you might not get a sense of how these people are. Um, so I think actually researching 
beforehand is really good and actually not just Pinterest but literally target some shops and designers that you like and phone them um, because <laughs> it seems weird not to um, and also like DMs and things like that get lost you know if you've got a few followers they just disappear so actually phoning us is a really good way of doing it or emailing or something um, so and then what we do before anybody comes in to see us is we send out a questionnaire which sounds quite um academic but in a way it's really good because people can tell us in advance this can be quite confessional about what they they how they feel about themselves um quite a lot of people are horribly apologetic about what they think that we're expecting from them so there is a I'm not your usual xyz I'm not the right age I'm not the right size I've never thought about what I want to wear I don't know I'm not comfortable I don't like dresses I don't you name it, there's, as though somehow we're not normal women, that we are literally like full pretty woman staff, you know, big mistake, huge. That kind, like the, we're <laughs> that person, you know, all of us that work in shops have our own daily kind of conversation with ourselves internally, externally about our own bodies. Um, you know, I'm... Um, uh, 56 now, I, you know, I train, I... I've had kids, I'm probably postmenopausal, you know, so my body's changed. I've gone through a different relationship with my body. Um, so we know what we're, we know the kind of things that people bring to that experience. And I think that, uh, and I think algorithms when you're getting married, and I think probably that's why, you know, I think that sort of diet culture thing sort of comes to mind is the minute you start looking like you're engaged online, loads of gorgeous pictures of stick thin people flash before your eyes or the thing that I always find as well for me because I've got boobs I haven't done the work yet to go braless I'm really sorry I can't. <laughs> I'm probably too old uh, <laughs> neither have I, uh, I, neither I, have I, I still prefer fair. a bra with two straps and I so when I look at some of the things myself you know all the images of backless wedding dresses um I feel this kind of horrible pressure that unless you could wear a backless dress you're somehow not going to make as good a bride and the the level of demand for backlessness so people were like can I take it lower and I'm like well, what does it matter to, to the to, in your soul if we take another two inches off the back of the dress how is your life going to be improved by that other than the fact you're going to be in a miserable quest for sticky tape to hold your boobs up you know so it's a kind of straight I, I I sort of see it I can stand back for it and yet I also feel like somehow I collude in the process because we're all putting out beautiful pictures there and I, it's a it's a I feel like sometimes I could be an episode of like the guilty feminist you know we go like yes I'm, I'm a yes. feminist but I sell wedding dresses because in it, in itself that you feel like you're colluding with a in a in a mass kind of industry that is designed to make people to people feel bad but however scrape away like a tiny bit of the surface everyone that runs shops on the whole is lovely and hugely empathetic but as I say it's just about trying to find that right relationship and where to start really I think so that what you're doing in a very sort of professional way is is absolutely right pick up the phone research it research the industry because otherwise you will get swept up in an emotional kind of it's a big purchase, you know. I mean, like these are these are not small amounts of money. Even reasonable price wedding dresses are usually, you know, start from about a thousand pounds. So, and you can spend telephone number kind of amounts of money if you so choose. Um, 
it's quite a significant investment. You know, as the saying goes, it's a picture that will, in fact, Jack said it, it's a picture that yes. you'll be showing everyone, your grandchildren <laughs> um, forever, you know. And so that so that imagery and how you feel in it, it becomes part of your family history and the legacy. So you're, there's already a lot of pressure coming to that before working out. There's a dress that I love but I sort of love to hate it at the same time at the moment. It's this cute little skinny dress in satin and the boobs look like two shells, like a really cute aerial. And I'm like, I just, it's the sort of thing designed to make a large-breasted person feel super miserable. Just think, imagine the size of the shell that would be needed to be around my boobs. For that them. would be just the nipple. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> I can see the pressure coming into it. Do you know what I mean? So the research to be like, you research your shops first, basically. Have a, you know, have a, very frank conversation if people are concerned about body anxiety or any sort of self-esteem problems or I mean show me a woman that doesn't really but you know that yeah, that yeah. conversation is it can be if, you, if you're not sort of frank and upfront with your shop your boutique your stylist they need to know your fears and concerns in, in the same way as if I came to you as a PT and be like well, I've never exercised do you know or the beginning of January at the moment, it's really hard to run away from everything of resolutions and this and kickstart that and do this. And so I feel like that that sort of January, the first pressure, plus that wedding pressure is behind every bride when they come in, that this is the start of a scrub up like there's been no more. And yet at the same time, I also think then actually... I do think exercise is important. I do think it's important for your mental health and self-care and prioritising nice food and all that kind of stuff, that balance, because the pressure of organising a wedding can be very testing to your mental health. So I do think putting in the good food and the exercise alongside wedding planning, which is like organising a major conference alongside the rest of your life, I do think that is an actual important sort of self-care thing to do, but not because you need to change your shape, but but just because... you just need to stay like fo- grounded and happy um, through that planning process I think as well so there's so many parallels between that January kickstart and then when you get engaged and all of a sudden like right you're in this wedding season of your life and you're going to go on this journey and it could be you know 12 months in my case it's going to be two years um in total and about I've got you know, about 18 months until we actually get married. And so, yeah, it's like there's this sort of expectation on you now that, okay, you're you're on the conveyor belt, on on the bridal conveyor belt. And at the end of the conveyor belt, you have to look perfect. And your dress has to be perfect. Your hair has to be perfect. Your makeup has to be perfect. You will have never looked more perfect in your life. And it's a lot. It's a huge amount because also there's an entire industry now. Like there isn't, there's a couple of blogs, but most of them have not really kind of stayed completely. Like lots of people started wedding blogs when they were getting married themselves and they were very personally connected to them. And I think as um, the the years have rolled on, then those become more a sort of platform rather than something that those people are sort of related to the brides and there's no bridal magazines anymore so love them or hate them and they were very controversial in as fact as they showed a very tiny proportion of women on their covers and on their their pages you know famously very white very very thin women always only but there isn't any editorial direction now for bridal so most people are getting their information by effectively perving off real brides weddings yes i've gone (laughs) 
I've gone down so many Instagram rabbit holes of other people I don't know's weddings. And I see some real life brides and like some of them will come up on loads of people's Pinterest boards because in our pre-appointment questionnaire, I ask people to drop me a link to their Pinterest board so I can see which way people's eyes are looking. And so the thing is, so the pressure is slightly less obvious now. Like you don't have a white, pretty, thin woman on the front of a magazine, but you find yourself down rabbit holes of effectively, usually quite rich women because they're the ones that can afford the photographers like Ben Wheeler or someone although I do love him and he's a great great guy um so who can afford a very expensive editorial fashion style photographer which is you know in theory reportage but very beautiful reportage there's no one really looking but ugly with a big sandwich in their mouth. Do you know what I mean? And, you know, doing that. They, the reportage is is constructed. It's almost a bit like a sort of made in Chelsea reportage. You know, it's, it looks effortless, but really. There's a lot gone into it behind the scenes. <laughs> and, and you've got sort of an editorial quality photographer. You've got, you know, so the people that can usually afford those people have usually got a big dress budget. Do you know what I mean? There's, there's, so there's quite a lot that you're looking at, which is giving that sort of pressure. And so you know yourself because you're perving on other people's weddings that similarly in the future, that's going to happen to you too. And particularly with yourself, with the, you know, as a sort of influencer, People will look and it will matter. Mm. And and so the pressure mm. for you there is is quite elevated as well, I guess. So um yeah, so I, I see it all the way around. It's a different it's a it's a different sort of pressure on people now. I mean, we very much want, you know, with what we do with our own brides, I want every single person to, you know, we ask all of our brides to submit their photos to us. We don't screen or edit or anything. We're like, we will share we don't have an aesthetic, but you do see some brands and some shops potentially that really just think, is that, is that all you, that's the only body shape you dress then? <laughs> well, that's what I loved about your content and your Instagram and looking at your, your shop's website is that I see all sorts of people. I see all different body shapes. Mm. I, I'm seeing it all. And actually it's, sadly surprising how refreshing that is through all the different wedding content I've looked at you know on Pinterest on Instagram different wedding dress designers that I've looked at um it's really cool to see and the kind of shops I've earmarked and the dresses I've earmarked are ones where I've gone like oh look I've seen a few different body types wearing this or you know it makes a difference I think it makes makes me go like you know you you are welcome to everyone and you know, I think that's, if I was recommending a key thing for people to look for, that's what I would look for. Like you say, call them up, the size range, and do they have different body shapes on on their, you know, social media and stuff. And also the other thing that I would do for people, if they're really, really nervous, is just say, come, come and have a clothes on appointment with me. Come and have a cup of coffee. Go across the threshold. Don't, you know, I don't know, you know, in terms of PT terms, it's like maybe it's the same thing as going into a gym and being scared by seeing a bunch of kind of ripped and sexy people fully gym shark to the hilt. I mean, the gym I go to, I went principally because it was full of old people. <laughs> and I was like, good, I never have to wear a nice PE kit here. and They've probably got a defibrillator. Do you know what I mean? If I overdo it. So, um, so I, again, I think the idea of because we normally put things, our appointments are now, particularly in the chapel, it's behind a closed door. You can't look in. Nobody can see you. you you're not with another bride either, which I think is also important. Yes, I do. Because 
that can be very, you know, comparison being the thief of joy and all that kind of stuff. It isn't like the best thing. I also like, while I have this platform, never go shopping with another friend who's getting married and book to try on together because even your best friend just have that moment of slight selfishness and really don't let, don't let it be an open ticket for people to come with you. Really be selfish about who you bring. Very, very direct. Do not make yourself the centre of an entertainment option. Do you know what I mean? I feel it was quite peaceful, actually, during the kind of lockdown, post-lockdown reopenings, where we were obliged by our health and safety protocols to say to the bride, you can only bring one person. I felt like some of those appointments were just the most positive and life-affirming things that we had because somebody didn't have to be the say yes to the dress person you know I think that is um that's I think that's a really important thing to do I think I wandered off the subject there I can't remember what I was saying but it is you have but you've very nicely segued into a question I (laughs) something I really want to talk about which is you know I asked people what are your concerns about dress shopping and the one of the big things that come up were I'm worried about comments from my mum or I'm worried about bringing certain people and them not thinking that the dress is flattering on me and therefore I shouldn't get it even though I might love a dress. And, you know, I think from what it sounds like with you guys is that it's a very much put the bride first always environment. And I think because, you know, I am a self-confessed say yes to the dress, 2020 especially, I think because... I did really want to get engaged and I think I'm just no secret anyone listened to the podcast or the previous episode but I think I was just watching it because I've always had this fascination with wedding dresses and you're right there is a certain expectation of what you picture in your mind the whole wedding dress shopping experience is going to be like I'm going to bring my friend all my friends and family they're all kind of going to vote on the dress I'm going to cry when I find the right one and it's going to be great but as we have seen on say yes to the dress you get some awful comments from the people who supposedly love you the most. And that's really tough. Like, what's your advice to brides who may be worried about that situation? Potentially um, okay, happening? I probably shouldn't, you know, like this, put this out publicly, but some people sneak out secretly and come by themselves. Um, so mm. if you're really seriously concerned about what your mum's going to say, and I have to say, mothers haven't always done the work on the language of body positivity. They definitely have <laughs> I am a mother of a, you know, 28-year-old um, daughter. So I feel like I, um, because of what I do, I think we've we've treated each other very sensitively about um, that language used around bodies and things as well. But it's a conscious learned thing that I've done. I see, and this is a terrible thing to see, I see people's mums um, who are very skinny demonstrating a lot of shame because they have a, a bigger child. They're embarrassed for their daughter and they can't get past that. And that's their own. And I think that's just heartbreaking to see. And you see it quite often. We try and take the conversation away from flattering as much yes. as we possibly can, because flattering yes. is, is subjective, highly subjective. Do you know? I mean, I find it difficult to believe that we still think that someone's, that the dress that makes someone's waist look small is the highest. Look what your waist looks like. It's like a soul, brain, heart, you know, let's, I mean, I always try and bring things back to, let's get that neckline right. Let's, let's frame your face because this is where the love story is. This is what people are coming to see, you know. And so we have things where people are sometimes 
sort of like encouraged into dresses which really aren't that comfortable or flattering if we're going to use a very classic sort of 1950s kind of idea because the the concept of small waist still trumps any level of style even do you know so I mean I wear I'm wearing coils today you know I, I love a shapeless cool you know a-line dress with a big statement sleeve and things like that I think I look great I don't look particularly skinny but I don't think my worth is built around that but somehow when we get to wedding dresses all of that learning goes out of the window and as I say some sometimes people's mothers are not like I don't get me wrong, I see bloody lovely mums and I want to go out with a drink with a load of them now because they're quite often my age. So we we get on famously and then, oh, we have, suddenly have to remember there's actually a bride in the room. Um, but, you know, <laughs> I, I, I feel like that unpacking that term flattering is, is like it's, you know, you've got to really do the work on that. I mean, and also the other thing is, you know, regardless of what sizes we've got, we have eight to 24 some things are going to fit well, some are going to be big, some are going to be small. And some people just don't have the vision to see how that's going to look. Um, and it is, it's it's important sometimes to kind of have a look at this and just think, okay, I've, I've actually got a video of myself kicking around somewhere where I put on a dress and I have got enormous boobs, really huge. And, I'm, and they're like squashed up to here, literally, and like down to here. And I, you know, I'm just saying like sometimes you might have that and it's like you might need to feel at some point you've got to try something on, which is comedically wrong to see something that could be absolutely perfect. And you've got to have enough bravery in that situation, enough sensitivity to be able to experiment and dress up and have a laugh and not know that this is not the exact dress that you're going to be wearing because one is going to be made for you and fitted beautifully. So it's kind of that sort of idea of like working out who you're going to bring, whether if you've got a difficult relationship with whoever, even your best friends, do you know what I mean? Like, you can love people and also not love their taste in clothes. I mean, I've got a friend of mine who's, if I would, if I spilt something on myself at her house, I'd rather go home naked than choose something from her wardrobe. So um, I feel like that is, is important. And as I say, it is fun. It should be fun. <laughs> but if you're bringing someone with you who has historically made clothes shopping or body shaming, even if it's very passive aggressive, like it's not super, you know, come sneak out by yourself to start with. See what it's like. Like I say, my kind of mantra about clothes in general is the clothes are meant mm. to fit you, not the other way around. And your dress is meant to really just frame your face, frame the story. Actually. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market be something that you feel so comfortable in that you just get to really be present on your day and have fun and soak it all up and enjoy it and you know I think comfort 
is probably a really key part to really just being able to have fun on your wedding day and not feeling like, oh, I better, you know, if you're if you're feeling self-conscious about your tummy and therefore feeling like I've got to suck in here and suck in there, then I feel like that's probably not the dress for you because even though, yeah, okay, at this angle, if you hold your stomach in and can't breathe, whatever, it could look, you know, in your eyes, the, you know, the, the perfect picture that a bride is meant to look like. But if that's causing you physical discomfort and you can't actually just enjoy your day, then I don't think that's worth it. No. And as I say, I think the concept of, you know, flat stomachs and small waists, I mean, if we could be more horrible to ourselves, I, I don't know any other part of the body to actually focus on. Do you know what I mean? It's like yeah. you could start off some mornings with a flattish stomach and by the end of the day it's not very flat. Do you know what I mean? It's it's also like, you know, I don't I actually genuinely don't see that many women with flat stomachs. And even the people that I see that I say yoga teachers or Pilates teachers that are or, or distance runners or something that are absolutely taut between their hip bones, um, they have they don't have a top hip effectively then so we end up putting them in box pleated skirts to put a hip back in to make them look like they've got a waist because they said even those girls say to me I don't have a waist and it's like no what you don't have is a hip anymore because you're so ripped and fabulous that and you can do such enormous fantastic feats of strength and endurance that you so even so those girls that are super ripped are not necessarily, they suddenly want to go back to a softer, more 1950s concept of what, uh, you know, a D, you know, the classic Dior look about what a woman should look like. So it's, it, this is a very tricky thing. And also then again, girls with six packs, um, a six pack isn't flat. So it, I don't know. I'm assuming that people know mm. this, but actually it, it rounds out and it rounds out again. So six packs, it's not the way forward. And actually to get to that level of low body fat, with is is extremely hard for people whose training is and, and physical exercise is not their job so it I don't know I just I think so that's the thing with wedding dresses is if we could have made more difficulty for ourselves it would be having flat white dresses over our stomach that show our waist I mean they couldn't so there are but there's so many beautiful easy ways of actually really doing this now I mean thank the lord for pleated skirts so they look very boxy and very cute and pockets in things so that you don't have this sleek shape against your body which allows you to you know get up in the morning on your wedding day and have some proper breakfast and <laughs> and and it yeah because well this is the thing it's like even on the wedding day it's like oh my goodness i can't eat properly and everything it's like but then you're not going to have the energy to actually enjoy your day you know be lightheaded walking down the aisle and you drink one glass yes. of champagne and that's it. <laughs> and then the days of blackout <laughs> and it was all that time yeah, and energy absolutely. and money. No, I, I, so I feel, as I say, like I do, and that's what I'm saying, it is a, it's a strange thing. We're like almost asking you to be really super body positive and then offering you the most difficult to wear colour and <laughs> some of the most difficult to wear designs. Yeah. Um, because that's what people think... Um, is flattering for a woman. There is no reason why you can't. I mean, I've got a couple of um, brave um, souls at the moment um, who've embraced these really cute kind of square-necked, puff-sleeved A-line dresses, which just kind of neatly go out. So you don't. You're not sort of aware of somebody's body, which is quite radical. And it's it's more it's more radical than like trousers and and jumpsuits, which have obviously have, have really taken off um, and you know really visibly in the last few years. So now the last radical bastion is having something that doesn't cinch your waist. So 
The next thing I wanna talk about is once you've found the dress and you're going through the fittings process because, yeah, once again, so many people's comments and even a previous guest on this podcast had talked about finding the dress, and she was a COVID bride, finding the dress of your dreams, feeling like you have this build up to it and like you have to stay the same from your first fitting and if you gain weight then it's a disaster and the dress will never fit you again and you know you hear about people saying that you know potentially people in shops or perhaps the fitters themselves have said okay well don't lose any weight or don't gain any weight and you know and that that once again adds another layer of pressure how can people navigate that is it true that you can't ever get your wedding dress fitted again if you did gain weight? There is loads here. Um, This could be an entire episode. So basically, if you were definitely (laughs) in a place where you knew your body was changing or you know yourself and your body changes quite a lot, just quite naturally, people will tell me about like their boobs um, like will change a lot during their menstrual cycle. Some people that have like, you know, recently had children will definitely be changing or are pregnant. So will be definitely getting bigger or maybe our athletes and their training and their winter training is different from their summer training. So there are people who's by just by the definition of where they are in their life or what they do for their job, their body changes. So the best thing that you could do if you know that's a likelihood, like an not just a likelihood, but an absolute nailed certainty is make sure that you work with someone that gives you an individual plan that works with you. So that if you know that you're going to change and you're likely to change, then don't have your fitting done too early. Don't have it done, you know, four or five months out from your wedding, have it done four weeks out from your wedding or two weeks out from your wedding. So, but to be, to be that demanding and a tiny bit deaverish you have to be organized so if you book your dress a year in advance and say this is great we're all really organized here have a load of cash I don't want to be fitted until two weeks before my wedding um a year out from your wedding people can be that flexible for you so that's the first thing is to to, to own the possibilities of what might happen um and make sure that you get a fittings process which works with how you know your life is going to be. Fitters are a, now my mum's a fitter, so I'm going to use my mum as an example here um, because there are many lovely, empathetic, gorgeous fitters in the world, but <laughs> they can be a bit not, what is it, spiky? So basically, fitters have got a huge amount of work to do. They will have hundreds of dresses to fit and so and things like that. And so if they think they've done all their work and if everybody turns back up and they're different, they've got to do it all over again, which can sometimes mean them pulling all-nighters. It can sometimes mean that they are absolutely frazzled. They can also find that brides are absolutely swearing blind they haven't changed and don't want to be paid to do it for a second time so there's a lot of reasons why fitters can have a bit of a siege mentality and also they um are incredibly talented um and sometimes they're intelligent and talented and they can be on the floor pinning a hem and not really reading the emotions in someone's face so sometimes maybe their empathy levels are slightly different but they're looking at a dress like an engineering project as opposed to me who's as a stylist who's looking at someone as an emotional um being if you see what I mean. So fitters can be a w- little bit of a, of a navigational place. Also, my mum was when she she's retired now, but she was she was a bit older and she was a little bit like, you know, 
would be like, well, dear, that's your problem area. It's like, oh, God. <laughs> you just sit there and listen to it and be like, ma, could you just... <laughs> no no comments about people's bodies at all. No, none. Just say nothing. So then she'd be like, no, I won't say anything at all. Then it's like, no, there is another way. It's just don't mention people's bodies. But they're very much... If you just think of fitters sometimes as if they're like a carpet fitter, so they've come to fit a carpet and you've put an extension on and they weren't expecting it, they will have the same sort of unfiltered response that a carpet fitter might have so fitters are a very different thing they can say some things sometimes you just think oh oh, oh." (laughs) but it's so quite often um we've had some really amazing fitters that sometimes that we man mark them so we get the really good engineering done but they're not necessarily involved so much in the emotional conversation however so planning fitters that sort of thing disasters there's always disasters people always have disasters with wedding dresses they're all fixable all of them I feel like everything gets emotionally loaded. So quite close to your wedding, if you put on weight and someone's like, oh, goodness. Do you know what I mean? People hear things differently when they're at a state of heightened anxiety. So again, at your fitting, bring someone that isn't at that state of heightened anxiety. Bring someone who is a, do you know what I mean? A bit more level-headed. And, yeah, that's, that's listening yeah. to the words rather than hearing disaster and, you know, like desperation. We are, our business is dealing in white clothes all the time things happen things get snagged you know people pin themselves on something blood happens people get makeup on their dresses people grow out of things there is always a solution but the thing is it's it's just at that heightened time when it may be like three or four weeks out from your wedding and it's everyone is literally just spinning out people have spent a lot of money by that point not just with us but also your wedding dress is really can be subject to that kind of like externalized everything all the trauma is being externalized and put on that wedding dress because it's the only thing that you see um and like you're saying you've got this vision you said in your initial you've been thinking about this for a long time oh yeah so so thinking about it for a long time it in theory is a you know it's supposed to be magical but practical life still happens around it you know the and it but it and also the other thing is with wedding dresses they are just fabric I feel like in our heads, we're still slightly stuck in that sort of cinderella kind of thing where magical woodland creatures and, and birds will kind of be floating bits of fabric down to the floor and just like a little twirl or something. It's fabric. We can take panels out of things and put panels back in. It's like having a dent in a car. It can be fixed. So it doesn't sound very magical. But some and, and on the one hand, we want to create a magical and emotional experience. But on the other hand, sometimes we have to pull you back out of that and be like, it's it's cloth. It's fixable. It's doable. Nothing is, nothing's impossible. Um, so, you know, there's that kind of thing to do is to kind of go into it with both those kind of, you know, practical, sensible, rational head on at the same time. Hopefully you don't need that, but you know, uh, but the, the language is, is tricky because it's not like having an extension and the carpet doesn't fit. They're talking, somebody's talking about your body mm. and that is and very loaded. difficult. It's so loaded, you know, so, and it's hard to take yourself out of that for all of the reasons we've just you know chatted about really. There's so, I think it's very helpful to think it's just a bit of cloth at the end of the day and we don't need to pin all our hopes on it. You know, there's so many facets to a wedding day beyond the dress as well. Yes. And also, like, I just, I mean, I mean, I'm just going to wander over to shallow for a moment here because I have got a very definite idea of what I think looks lovely and my thoughts about fit and and 
all of these kind of things. But I sell a particular look of wedding dresses. I mean, I know that you're now based in Surrey and definitely I understand my local market and my um, psychographic of the girls that I see. I understand that. But I also see wedding dresses that I think are absolutely hideous online. And I'm like, but they're not for me to understand. They're not they're not what I love. They don't speak to me of my culture or my experience or things like that. So again, there is also that kind of thing with all of wedding dresses about what things whether thing one thing looks nice or, an, or another thing looks nice or you know I, I see people in quite ordinary and dull wedding dresses sometimes I'm like how could that make your heart race but it's it is that kind of thing where it's literally only there's there's no disasters there's no wrong things do you know what I mean it's what you feel that you look good in and I feel like that emotional journey is is so important for that as well so like you need to kind of protect that I think in it because disasters, um, one person's, I would look at one dress and think it was a complete disaster and somebody else might absolutely love it. It's so personal, isn't it? That's the thing. And at the end of the day, I suppose the only person's opinion who matters is you, the bride, who's wearing the dress and not necessarily all the people and all the noise around you, you know? To try and balance your kind of like good mental health with that fun, fashiony and a little bit shallow. And you really, you know, as somebody once said to me, you're like dressing for your most bitchy friends. You know, <laughs> so it's like there's, you know, we know that's a thing. We know we want our girlfriends to think we look amazing in our dresses, you know, perhaps almost more than we want our husbands to be. I mean, we've all seen her Jack on this podcast. I mean, you know, I think he gets fashion to a degree, but is he truly going to appreciate my choice? Probably not. Not in the way that, like you say, I hope that my friends and bridesmaids do. <laughs> Knowing I was coming on here, I did a quick like scan through your um, Instagram feed and Jack's, looked at the proposal, looked at the things that you've shared together about your lives. Do you know? And the things that you've shared together about your lives are a lot of like sport-based and active things. Do you know what I mean? What you do together as a couple, I mean, you look very lovely as a couple. You know, you look, both of you look very beautiful. But actually your interests seem so similar that actually and and quite a lot of it is based in sportswear that I think I'm sure therefore like I've seen that you've done marathons or like run races together and things so you must have seen each other like sweating and hanging out of your ass basically it's just like oh my god you actually had a clean rating on your podcast I think I might just ruined it there no Um, no no we we swear (laughs) we swear don't you worry okay um so basically do you know what I mean so I feel like that the probably the worst thing for either of you would be if you were like trust up in in something you're like hello darling it's like literally like that and you would just you know you would want to probably like hit the dance floor or be able to kind of like you know throw your arms in the air or like throw your arms around him or something so I feel like actually fashion and that the how you wear your clothes you know is for your lifestyle it's not necessarily I feel like that you will put something on restrictive and be like no I can't I can't see myself in this and I you know he's obviously seen you in so much sportswear that there isn't a mystery to him about what shape your body is and so actually it will be more about you being present and enjoy the day and I you know it's very and actually there's a whole what I would call sort of like athleisure sports luxe kind of feel and bridal which would be perfect for you which you know allows people a full range of arm movement that you don't you know that you don't have to take someone to the toilet you don't have to get in and out of a dress you're not wearing kind of whale boning and things like that well it's not whale bone anymore but um, boning so I feel like you know that is good but I also did quite like the fact that he wants to dress like 
Tom Cruise, wasn't it? <laughs> he loves Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise is his style icon. Tom Cruise and Top Gun specifically <laughs> is, is Jack's style icon. So I feel like where you're going to like have a, an overseas wedding in France, I feel like that what you would do, what I would prescribe for you guys both is that you did something that you were like James Bond, he said he was doing the day. So maybe that you had a drinks do where you had a little kind of James Bond bit of like either one of those fantastically gorgeous assassins women or like someone that James <laughs> Bond is obsessed with so that you had a little glamour purse you know part for like a drink stew and then you can have your more classic bridal maybe for the main event and then on the day after because you'll have all your friends there you'll have something that looks much more like a sort of like upmarket tennis dress slash sports look so that you yeah, can have I love some fun this. Oh, yeah so like I feel like you once you look at people and this is the kind of thing if you look at somebody does their quiz right and they give you a little bit of access into themselves as a person and what you like to do it's a lot easier for a stylist to bring something back to you that speaks of you rather than like being like this is fashionable wear this <laughs> do you know what or, I love all the sound of this my only experience with wedding dress shopping before is going with a friend who I'm bridesmaid for this past summer and I felt like some of the shops she had chosen they were central London based and they were just so impersonal and it was so disappointing it was not what I thought it was going to be at all and what I love is that you have such a personal client centered approach around you know really getting to know them because I felt like that was really missing from that experience I felt like they didn't make an effort to get to know the bride at all but I think this would be the same way if you look at it in the same way as you would in sports or like gyms and things like that I have like I go to a tiny gym with the same PT that I've worked with for eight years. It's kind of unfashionable. We get each other. He's just sort of nursed me through a hip replacement this like yeah do you know what I mean I've gained a load of weight because I wasn't a, I don't feel like the pressure the fact I was like as I was pulling up my like leggings today as my stomach was coming out I was like sorry just put my body positivity away for you um so it, it depends what you're after some people will want to go to a glossy gym maybe they'll want maybe a sort of Bond Street experience and sometimes that isn't what is intimidating and unpersonal to one people feels like somebody else might feel they've arrived you know it's like here I yeah. am and this very intimidating like big plate glass space and I think it's just being able to do exactly what we said right at the beginning is uh, like try and identify what it is that you you think you would like yourself and try and seek out those places that and and sometimes like I, I think some of the London shops do get a bit of a bad press because they can be a little bit chilly and a little bit kind but they're a more of a product-led experience it was it was yeah so you see you've seen this dress online that's the place they stock it you go and put it on do you like it don't you like it whereas I think you know what we do is very much more like you know relationship based and we still have cool stuff yeah you have some beautiful dresses <laughs> we just come and get it from a slightly different like perspective you know so um and we can't see like you know 20 people at a time we can only see one person at a time maybe two in a different space but it's you know so we want to make sure that we're seeing the right people um because equally if somebody wanted to like wanted a skin tight spangly frock or something do you know what i mean that was like super sexy and very love islandy they'd be mightily disappointed uh, in our offer do you know but as i say other and it's just really like making doing that research that you would for any other major life purchase before you do it I mean you wouldn't just go and grab a mortgage because it was the first one you saw and I'm not saying that your wedding dress is as important as a mortgage but it is something that will sit on your mantelpiece for a long time so make some 
make a bit of research about it. So I have a few personal quick questions just to finish because while you're here, why not get some <laughs> personal advice? Yeah, absolutely. So we, I'm getting married in June 2024 and I'm told you do need about 12 months prior to trying on a dress. Mm-hmm. Do I need to wait for a year? Do Can I do less than... In my mind, I'm thinking, you know, springtime really is now when I want to start trying stuff on because I don't want I think my thing is I don't want to fall in love with it and then get like wedding dress envy and regret for the next year looking at all the new dresses that have come out and I'm like oh I wish I got that dress you know okay so there's a there's a there's a very definite calendar okay that goes around some very definite trade shows so in about a fortnight I am going to Barcelona one of the designers that we stock is based there and they're going I'm going to see like 20 dresses from a preview collection from 2024 so those will be in quite soon probably by about March so at the moment we've taken a lot of orders for 2023 um we still can take orders for the summer so the years thing is a little bit is maybe a little bit kind of generous um but um, the major trade shows where people release the kind of like dresses to us professional buyers usually are is in April um, so March, April. So you've got London, Barcelona, um, Milan and New York all in quite quick succession. Um, and then those dresses tend to kind of start arriving in the shops in sort of August, September time. So allowing for the designers to get their stuff in. So I would say six to nine months would be a good minimum order time for you. It doesn't, I mean, and also we're, we're coming off the back of these COVID times where we could like in 2020 and 2021, when we did have like we're, the whole industry was under pressure, we were turning things around really fast because we had to, because we were closed and then we were open and people still wanted to get married. So I would say like six to nine months is a good minimum order time. Standard wedding dress delivery time is about 12 weeks and 12 weeks in advance of your wedding is a good time, a time allowance for fittings. That's all very generous. We can go quicker if we have to. Um, and it's easy to go quicker on, in low season, which is still like November through to about March. So if somebody wanted to plan a quick wedding, that would be an ideal time to do it. So it really depends on what you want to do and how much of a sort of FOMO thing that you might get. Because some people buy 18 months ahead of their wedding and they just, then they they don't look at anything else. And then they're like totally happy with that. Um, uh, I would say slightly upping my bigging myself up a little bit here. We would be quite an early adopters shop. So like our clients are sort of London based, like usually earning their living from sort of London Southeast. And so they're quite, quite savvy consumers and will pick up on new ideas and new trends quickly. So we will stock new things quicker. Whereas the more regional you go, sometimes because they haven't got such concentration of clients on their doorstep, they have to have a bit of something for everyone and a little bit less brave in their buying. So again, it just very much identify who you are as a, as a consumer. And also that emotional thing that you want to bring your grandmother and you want to bring your mum and things like that. Again, you could look at it as an experience and be like, I'm def- I'm definitely not buying. But I just want to see what sh- what shapes suit me because I have the vision in my head of what yeah. I think I would like and, and what I think would suit me. But until you put it on, you don't really know. But you don't really know. And as I say, it may be that, you know... Um, yeah, I mean, it, nobody really knows until they get people will come in and be absolutely like, I, you know, I want X, Y, Z. And then they're like, why am I not thrilled? It's like, because you've given me a pres- prescriptive concept of what you think you ought to ask for rather than, you know, like 
particularly people like oh, so it's a meringue it's like what is this with volume dresses are great fun you know like literally. i want to try a volume dress <laughs> they're really good fun but and also there is good and bad dresses in every silhouette that you get to um and as i say then when you've seen what suits you then you've got to find out about that service level and whether that works for you as well so i would say that you would just um maybe just you know book some appointments as soon as, as you can get in with a view that you're not going to buy because I don't do an emotionally loaded pressure, are we saying yes to the dress thing? Because I find it a bit ick. So um, I would like quite often see people like maybe 18 months out and I'd be like, right, okay, so we've got a good idea. So I would say that on your second visit or maybe even your third visit, you would come and commit to something. There are some ferociously good salespeople in my business though. Um, so there are shops that will be more salesy. Um, and who will, who's like the way the staff are trained are to help a bride make a decision, um, which is probably, um, I probably ought to be a bit more like that on occasions rather than somebody like, okay, this is your fifth visit. Okay. <laughs> are we getting something or not? Yes. Come on. <laughs> make you know, a choice. Otherwise I'm going to just give you the keys and the alarm codes and you can help yourself. Um, so I feel like, but I do think if you've got someone like, you know, I've done it before where people have had, you know, people that are unwell, do you know what I mean? Or like, you know, that maybe someone's quite limited. Um, I mean, we've had some super sad kind of, you know, appointments where you're like, you know, we have to go outside have a little kind of like calm ourselves and come back because it's clear someone is probably not going to make the wedding do you know what I mean so you know we understand that and I think it's I think also it would be quite nice to frame that with your shop as well and if they're like oh don't bother coming if you're not going to ready to make a decision then maybe that's not the right shop for you to go to in the first place anyway yeah definitely you know, so I would say like, you know, just say I want not, you know, I'm, I'm not ready to shop and I'm bringing my grandmother and I want to have, you know, and somewhere like Ripley is kind of good because it's got, you know, little tea rooms and, and we've got very good access for people that are maybe got more difficulty in mobility. Um, and I just took my mum, who's 87, down to Portsmouth um, for the Christmas week and made to go on the victory and the warrior. And I was like, I've got an 87 year old going up and down the most difficult stairs, torture. I mean, she, she did it, bless her. Do you know what I mean? But I actually think again, it's just looking, if you're bringing an older person or someone which who's got limited mobility, again, try and make this experience a lovely one. So there's somewhere where they, there's good parking and access. I know that sounds ridiculous, but you know, this is, it's a, it's like, this is more of a kind of like an experience, emotional, fun day out. So make it fun. Do you know what I mean? So that would be a sort of, but I would level with the shop slash boutique slash something because we all know that there's a bit of Muriel's wedding going on with us, but we like to know um, so that you can take that appointment in the spirit for which it is intended. Do you know what I mean? As a fun try on. It's about just being, you know, nice and respectful to the shop slash stylist as well because these are generally speaking very small like family run or female fronted businesses so go forth with the kind of way that you would like that relationship to continue <laughs> no this has been really helpful on so many levels for myself personally and I, I expect for so many people listening I feel like there's been a lot of reassurance and awareness and that there is a dress out there for you no matter what and there are you know, bridal boutiques out there for you. Also just think, yeah, absolutely. Dress out there for you. But like try also at the same time not to think of it like the holy grail. There isn't just one dress. Sometimes it may be a combination of two dresses and you may have to have a little bit of a vision and somebody be like, if we do the top of this and the bottom of that, that is your dress. And there is can be sometimes a bit of delay gratification 
And also, like, if you had giant 36H boobs like I have, then there's a lot of delay gratification because you're going to have to wait really to actually seeing, like, your own dress. So although that vision, that search for the one is is really important, you know, sometimes the magic happens just immediately, sometimes when you're not looking, sometimes when you're in Wagamama's in Guildford, for example. Um, <laughs> so, you know, the magic can happen. It can take you by surprise on occasions, do you know? But also sometimes it is more of a, like a, you know, a joint creative vision and you get to somewhere like you would do with a PT over some work and some months of, you know, of working towards something. So there's a lot of different similarities I could take from your life, do you know, or from what a little bit I've learned about it so far. But as I say, just it, is magical it's fun but just keep all of those other things you know that balance checks and balances there as well i think this has been invaluable emma thank you so much for coming on i feel really like i've learned a lot and a lot to take forward into this whole process like i said i've got 18 months of this also I've, yeah i've got time i feel like that thing i've got you have time loads on of my time. side loads of time so emma where can people find you where can they find out more about miss bush bridal and just generally kind of get to know your dresses your tips your tricks um well obviously instagram's very good so at miss bush bridal on instagram um i know you said you found us on tiktok and i feel like i don't really know anything about tiktok um i know that um my wonderful digital marketing manager leah has put us on tiktok so there is i'm assuming we're miss bush or miss bush bridal on tiktok as well um and our website is missbush.co.uk so um that you can you would be able to find all the links to things also we do have a phone number <laughs> on our website so if you ever want to just pick up the phone um and or schedule a phone call with me um for some very very specific like advice then i'm really happy to do that and also think about clothes on appointments just come for a cup of coffee or a glass of um gray fryers or something and you know and actually talk through the concerns because i am available for like you know it doesn't there's so many different ways you can approach this it doesn't have to be completely like you see on say yes to the dress but it could also be like that too it could be it could be thank you so much this has been like i say so helpful thank you so much for listening to anti-diet bride i really hope you enjoyed that episode of course keep in touch with us and find more anti-diet bride content over on our instagram you can find us at anti-diet bride and if you have any topics you want us to talk about any questions for myself or future guests do get in touch via our whatsapp it is 075999275337 Make sure to subscribe and you can hear new Anti-Diet Bride episodes on the first Wednesday of every month. Until next month, chat to you then. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.